welcome 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 fret talk listeners and today we are going to start off the fret talk podcast um with an apology unfortunately uh, so about 40 minutes into this podcast my um my audio channel becomes a little bit sporadic and becomes uh it develops quite a quite a noticeable clicking uh, and jumping of the audio uh, unfortunately, whilst we were recording, I didn't notice this, and it pretty much continues until the end of the podcast. Um, I'm really sorry about that, but as this podcast's quite uh, quite map driven, it shouldn't uh, it shouldn't hinder the the enjoyment of the podcast. So uh, I hope you do enjoy it, despite the fact that the uh, the quality isn't quite up to the standards. Um, and I'm going to be kicking a certain uh, interface company's ass and finding out what the problem is with this and sorting it out as soon as possible so that your Fret Talk podcasts can be the top quality that you are used to. So once again, guys, hope you enjoy Welcome, 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 podcast listeners. This is episode number 99. 99? Do you want to flake with that? Um, it's it's Fret Talk. You're here with your host, it's Mr. Budget Pizzoop. And you are also here with your your friendly Mr. Mister co-host, Mr. Matt Quine. Say hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. You right, bud? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. So, last week... Last last Sunday, you were out on the slosh. I, I was. Um, I did try and pop into the cast, but like the the chat loaded, but the video feed didn't because I was on pub Wi-Fi, and yeah, it wasn't strong enough. <laughs> yeah, um, I think at, at one point in our our podcasting career, we had uh, Ollie try and join the podcast on pub Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go down too well. No, no, we uh, we quickly quickly abandoned that idea. Um, so between last week and this, in fact, actually between the last two weeks and this, um, you've you've done a shed load, haven't you? And I have. Yeah, I, th- I think we'll probably do that second because we'll we'll make a big feature of it. Um. So I'll I'll start this week. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, from kind of earliest to latest, um, I released some YouTube content. You did, indeed. Um, so th- this is the kind of the new, the new look uh, for the YouTube channel. Uh, what do you think of it? I like it. It's it's a bit different, but you know, considering you said that you struggle to get some, um, like. I can't even think of the words to make the art move and stuff. <laughs> Wibbly bits. I think, yeah, uh, yeah, the, 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 like, 
transitional phases and things. I mean, that's that's far too professional of a term. That is far too professional. Yeah. Wo- you know what I mean. Wooshy things go whoosh and wibbly things go wibble. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, I managed to figure out a way of doing that. Because uh, when I first started with it, I was using very, very basic, um, very, very basic editing software. Um, I think we can all kind of we can all guess at which uh, which software that was um, <laughs> by just the general look of the videos. Um, but I uh, I recently changed over to a different. Um, in fact, I've I've changed over to two two different programs which uh, seem to be working rather well. But I also found uh, a way of uh, editing um, kind of transitions and and graphics for the for the youtube so hopefully kind of making it look a little bit nicer um but yeah the the, uh the video this week was about um that weird uh sg (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so we did a few few examples uh clean uh clean example driven example uh through all of the pickup settings as well and yeah, it sounds sounds all right. Sounds a bit more than all right, mate. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so yeah, the uh, the only drawback though is uh, after having a chat with uh, ch- having a chat with Fletch about it, he he said that these are a, a limited uh, a limited run on these uh, these P90s. So <laughs> it, they might be the only ones that are, that ever exist. Um, <laughs> Not a fan of making them. Yeah, yeah. So they they were very labour intensive, but I don't know. Uh, as I mentioned on the on the last live cast, I will mention on this one. Uh, I'm sure if if people that if the demand is there, he he might be convinced to uh to sort maybe one or one or two uh, pickups out. Uh, so th- yeah. So there was that. Uh, what what came out of it though? Uh, there were. Two people. Ben himself. Uh, uh, this was something that I know about him is that he he suffers from colour blindness. I say suffers from it. It, it doesn't seem to affect him at all. Um, but it's a, it's a condition that he's got. Uh, and one yeah. of one of the other um, viewers as well said, "Yeah, I thought that I thought that SG was a lovely brown colour." It's like, oh man, <laughs> I, I, I can only I can only imagine what it looks like uh, with the with the kind of colour blindness. Uh, and it it sounds like it's it looks better than it actually is, so I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> but they don't get to see the awesome green burst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. avocado, avocado burst. I think uh, one of Fletch's boys was was coining it. So yeah, uh, sounds about right. Yeah, kind of kind of crazy looking, but hey ho. Um, so. Yeah, I've been playing that. I also uh, staying on the P90 train. Uh, I, I posted up some some pictures on uh, Instagram over this weekend of the <laughs> the crazy RG with the P90s in it. Um, yeah, and they they're, <laughs> they're very different monsters. Those uh, those two different P90 sets. I mean, just in terms of like one actually being a P90 and the other one being like a humbucking uh, humbucker housed P90. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, 
they sound again they sound absolutely fantastic which you'd expect from uh, from Fletcher Pickups um, and uh, the last time I played the RG uh, I remembered kind of struggling with it because it was it's a really flat uh, flat radius it's a thin neck and I was just I, I weren't quite getting my fingers underneath it I was like oh maybe I've I've got to a point where I've grown like grown this one a little bit um, but Playing it over the weekends, nah, I'm all right. It's it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah. But the the thing that has kind of stuck in my mind is that the uh, the tremolo system does not stay in tune anymore, um, and that is because it's it's a cheaper um, Ibanez trem. It's the Edge Three, um, which I always used to see people like getting up in arms about, going, "Oh, they don't hold tune. The rubbish." The and I was like. No, nah, it's it's fine for me, um, but now I think th- not anymore. Yeah, because I think the 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 knife edge on it's dulled. Um, it's it's not it's not holding tune as as well as it should, um, and I think rather than getting that like like taking the whole uh, trem system off and regrinding it, um, so it's a, so it's a sharp point again. I think the the next step is blocking it off. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, definitely the way to go. Yeah, because as as much as I, I I feel I can I can get on board with the um with the 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 feel of the guitar, the the trem system is something that I don't think I'll ever need. <laughs> so yeah, um, you mean you don't want to do massive dive bombs in your bluesy P ninety tones? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm okay. I think I think I've passed that now. Um, the irony being is that I, I bought the uh, bought the RG because I wanted like I wanted something that would just be in tune, something that I wouldn't need to worry about. And because with the locking system, even if you're not using the the wiggly bits, it yeah. just stays in tune. Um, and I can that it really drew me to that that idea of the, the guitar. <sighs> But it's it's gone now, so it's gonna it's gonna have to be the um, it's gonna have to be a hard hardtail version. Um, but the thing that I did notice as well, because I was having to like unlock the uh, the the nut clamp thing, the the locking nut. That's the what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I think I'm gonna need some new tuners for it as well because they are pretty pretty fucking cheap. Um, <laughs> you, you never notice when you lock when you only use it to kind of get get somewhere get near yeah there. yeah you get you get close enough that your tuner says e yeah. <laughs> you go oh, well that's that's close enough you clamp it down and then you you fine tuners do the rest but uh, yeah I think so it's gonna be it's gonna be a big job um, but on the plus side then it means. This uh, this RG will be a downright dirty blues machine. It'll also be a unique like it's already a unique RG with the the P nineties in it. But yeah. then if you add a a locked off edge trem system, yeah, I think as well. I might if I'm feeling really brave. I might put some faux binding on myself. <laughs> faux binding on a on an RG body, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely unique. <laughs> yeah, because I'm I'm just seeing the uh, seeing the work that Andy does with his faux binding. I think that don't look that hard. 
and then in about <laughs> about three weeks' time, where I've chipped the paint off to a to a point where it looks terrible, go Andy, fix it for me, please. <laughs> I'll, I'll ship it to you. Uh, I'm sure he'd happily oblige. He, yeah, he might do. He might do. So, watch this space. <laughs> um, so yeah, what else have I done this week? I think I think that's that's pretty much all I've done. Although, actually, one thing that I do need to mention because by by the time that this comes out, this will be out on uh, uh, next Monday. So today for you lot, <laughs> time it's terrible doesn't work um, <laughs> hopefully by uh last wednesday there should be a uh, a video out on the pedal boards of doom channel and that video is featuring none other than the budget pedal chap <laughs> uh so th- there will hopefully be out because you haven't seen this yet because it's it's not quite then um nope. but it's um it's a video on the uh the vintage vintage plus uh telecaster neck pickup from tone rider which i just so happen to have installed in in my thin line telly yeah um really really strangely and concurrently without even like without us talking about this um dave rage has uh, released a video not not so long ago on his youtube channel uh, about <laughs> a Telecaster set from uh, Time Rider. I think his is the uh, the hot classics, though not the not the vintage plus. But it was just it just seemed like really it we couldn't have planned it better if we tried. Just out of interest, a hot classic sounds like a classic tone that's hot, and a vintage plus sounds like a vintage tone that's, that's got hot. more. It, yeah. it it just sounds like the same thing. It does. It, they it sounds like, very similar sounding pe- pickups. Do we know? Um, yes, yes. Um, the, I think the um, the vintage vintage plus use Alnico five, whereas the hot classics are like uh, overwhelmed Alnico two. I believe. Don't quote me on it, but I think it's something like that, where they use slightly different magnets. Um, they. They feature in. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to be careful about this, just just in case, uh, just in case it, it does put us in some some uh, hot water. Um, but they they appear they appear in a um, rather rather well to do um, line of guitars, um, and without without naming uh, without naming those specific guitars and putting ourselves potentially. Uh, at risk um they they give a very classic sound um they're really vibey (laughs) they're they're really vibey classic sounds are they yeah in a a telecaster yeah a a t-shape shall we say let's not say telecaster because that's a (laughs) that is a uh copyright isn't it that possibly yeah so well it would it be copywritten or trademarked i don't know so so take take from that what you will um but certain um certain models of this t-type guitar let's uh let's say the um the the more butterscotch version uh will will feature one of the types of uh 
of Tone Rider pickup. And yeah. um, a slightly later blonde version uh, features the other the other type. I think we uh, I think we managed to circumnavigate that just, that just, minefield. Just get around the edges. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, those two videos. I'd, I'd urge you to go check out the Dave Rage one because it's it's awesome and it, it does give off some of the some of the stylings of those pickups. And also check mine out because mine's gold. My uh, my neck pickup is gold, and as we know, gold tone is better. Better tone. Exactly. Exactly. Um. So, Matt, you've been up to some stuff this week, haven't you? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's been like two weeks since I was last on a podcast, I want to say. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, it's probably about exactly two weeks, because I went on the Wednesday morning, and I think we cast it on the Tuesday night, didn't we? Uh, yes, I think so, yeah, because our schedule's been all over the place recently. Yeah, yeah, and that's my fault, and I'm sorry. But you, you alluded to a little bit, like yeah. transitioning between jobs, doing all sorts of stuff, going away this week's TT. Um, yeah, so yeah, I've done a hell of a lot of stuff. Rather than starting with the oldest, I'm going to start with what I did yesterday. So yeah, I was going to suggest that actually. Yeah. So yesterday was uh, the night that we were playing on Bushy Stage. Um, Good old which is the 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 gig I look forward to the most every year. Um, yeah. It's an out, outdoor stage, festival stage. Uh, the capacity of the venue itself is four and a half thousand. Last year we hit capacity. Um, this year there was a load of circumstances. The roads were still shut whilst we were on because the racing was still going. Um, and uh, the weather wasn't nowhere near as good this year as it was last year. So it was about... I reckon there was between 1,000 and 1,500 people in there, which is still not a crowd to be sniffed at. Um, yeah. It was it was absolutely great fun. We had a 90-minute set. We were on uh, from 7.30 to 9. Um, we were on the early slot for the, for change this year. Absolutely cracking gig. Um, sound on stage was great for the most part. Um, I'm pretty sure it was my own fault early on. I think my amp was too loud and I was struggling to hear the rest of the band <laughs> and I think that's just because I cranked my amp a little bit too much I mean it's it's difficult not to isn't it sometimes especially when I you're mean, playing I'm, bushies I'm, I'm, I'm outside that's it's it. on a st- like it's a stage that's meant for like for, for loud, loud loudiness yeah. amps um, and I turned my amp up a little bit and I think I might have turned it up a little bit too much so I did turn it down a bit um, but yeah it was absolutely cracking loved every minute of it Um I started off with the Cabernita, but I only used that for about four tracks. Yeah. And then I decided I was going to play the SG um, just because I wanted something to cut through a little bit more. And the the bridge pickup on the SG is just brilliant for kind of... Slicing. Cutting through the mix. Yes. Yeah, like I say, I, I brought the volume down a little bit, so I needed something that I could hear. Yeah. But, was, but sat well in the mix. Yeah. Um, so the, the Cabernita pickups are slightly warmer. Um, so I sw- switched over to the SG. Um, loved every minute of it. Like the the guitar played fantastically. I was using the the bridge pickup for the most part, and the neck pickup for some solo work. Um, and I've put on Instagram for those of you that follow me that um, I do indeed. Most of I most do. of most of my tone um, was basically from smaller 
British companies rather than, you know, like, yeah. uh, for instance, the other, the other guitarist was all using, like, um, stock pedals from, you know, big manufacturers, um, yeah. a, a stock uh, telly and a stock strap. And there's me with the custom wound, 5% underwound Fletcher pickup, blend pickups in my vintage SG with um, the broadside taking the edge off to do our ultra clean stuff. Yeah. The range master and the hot cake together to do like a rhythm and a little bit hotter rhythm. And then the tube screamer side of the double mat for the lead work. And yeah, just, just sounded phenomenal. I had so many people come up to me after the gig talking about my tone, um, which is just testament to the fact that, you know, I was playing a 300 quid guitar. Yeah, I see. And, People were, were asking me about the guitar and the sound, and yeah, it's just. I see it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Re- it went really, really well. Yeah, costs. Costs £300, sounds a million dollars. Yeah, well, like, all in, I reckon that guitar is less. I, it cost me less than 200 quid. I bought bought the guitar for 80, and then it was two Fletcher pickups plus a Fletcher custom. Yeah, Warren Harness. harness. Yeah. Um, and I think altogether it's it's under two hundred quid, including all the postage and everything. Yeah. Um. And like I say, it sounds just fantastic. Um. Yeah. I I absolutely loved last night. I if I could play an outdoor stage like that every night for the rest of my life, I'd die a happy man. Well, we'll see. See what we can do, Matt. See. <laughs> We're working on it. Yeah. If that if that could be my full time job, I'd love it. But yeah. Um, yeah, well, I, I get that opportunity once or twice a year, weather dependent. Like the the other um, company that did a stage last year didn't put their their marquee up this year, so we didn't get the big one there. Um, and we're going for a very different vibe. So I'm going from that last night to tomorrow night. I'm playing in a small pizza restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's the the scope of um, scope of gigging, isn't it? But- yeah, um, the issue we've got is like the. The, the place that we're playing, um, it's it's semi outdoors in that it's it's basically like a covered outdoor area that we're playing in. Yeah. Um, but we've been told the maximum capacity is about 150, and there's 700 people responded to the Facebook event. Yeah. So it's a good job there's a car park outside. That's all I can say. <laughs> I mean, it's a testament to your uh, to your your band, isn't it? I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Well, like I say, we, we, I'm lucky to have a, a good reputation. There's a, a lot of people that were there last night that started asking us when we were like when our other gate dates were and stuff. And yeah, um, yeah. Funnily enough, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, it's it's going to be. I'm pretty sure tomorrow's going to be a mental one. I'll try and get some footage if I can because um, I'm I'm pretty sure it's going to be a rocking little outdoor sort of. It, covered outdoor area with like a car park full of people next to it um, nice. I'm, I'm actually looking forward to it it's going to be a really tiny stage as well um, but we'll we'll blow the roof off and just have a good time yeah I mean that's it isn't it, it your, your massive venues don't always guarantee your best gigs um, and some of the best that I've ever had are, are stages where you've got like drum equipment poking in your face from the next band and yeah, yeah. So, 
it, 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 all, it literally all comes down to the crowd, doesn't it? Because that's what we do it for. We're not there to serve our own egos much. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say I'm not going to say we're there completely selflessly, but we're not there. We don't go get up and play music just for ourselves. We get it to to see the enjoyment of the crowd and to to really kind of get the party started. Uh, yeah, and you get far more out of it yourself when there's other people enjoying themselves. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, as the band, part of your job is to convince people that getting up and boogieing is the uh, is the thing to do. So you've got to you've got to be the first one who's getting your moves on, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And like I say, I can't wait. Um, it's gonna be it's gonna be good tomorrow. Like totally different from last night's gig, but just as fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fun in different ways, isn't it? Yep. Right. Let's uh, let's let's not skirt around this now, Matt, because uh, it weren't just a weren't just a piss up that you were on last week, was it? No. So, um, I, to be fair, I was tipsy every night. So you know, it sort of <laughs> yeah, was. Yeah, but, it's, um, it's not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I I went down to see uh, my mate Steve Burrows, who we've we've talked about a fair few times the on the podcast. Legendary Steve. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, who's down on the south coast? Um, I know. I was going down to see my friend who's in Plymouth, who's down the other side of the south coast. Yeah, um, for her birthday. Um, but I, I mentioned to Steve in passing that I was coming down to the south coast, and he was like, "Oh, why don't you stop with me for a couple of nights and then head head over?" And I was like, "You know what? I'm flying to Gatwick, and he's like an hour and a half on the train from Gatwick." Yeah. So I said, "Yeah, why not? I'll come and stay with you for a bit." Um, and just went through all of the stuff that he owns that I hadn't played before. Yeah. Plus some of the stuff that I had played before, but um, he's got a lot of high-end equipment. Um, yeah, so I think it's it's worth mentioning that Steve is a, is a massive, massive, uh, massive collector. He's a fantastic player in his own right, but he's he's got uh, like a massive, massive collection of... Uh, just guitar equipment from from the ages really hasn't it so kind of yeah um yeah, yeah he's, he's got all sorts of so um like the, the stuff that i kind of focus in on a lot is um he's got two or three collector's choice from gibson um which kind of shows you the, the price bracket that he's going at then they're, they're not cheap um yeah he's got a cc1 and a cc5 so the cc1 obviously is the uh the peter green gary moore um clone um, might have heard that uh, about that one before it's, it's yeah it's 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 a it's a fairly well-known you know 59 les ball and it's great i didn't bother playing that this year because I, I played it before and there was lots of other stuff to choose yeah. the the one for me is the cc5 which is called donna i can't even remember the name of the guitarist that had it but i don't think he was that famous um his name was donna but the that guitar stood out to me when I, when I went down to see Steve the first time. I've been been to Steve Steve three or four times now, but yeah. that guitar stood out to me. The neck profile is halfway between a fifty-nine and a sixty, so you know how the Gibsons slim the neck down between sort of like fifty-nine and sixty. Yeah. And this this one's just like halfway between the two, and it was just right for me. Most of what Steve orders, he 
tends to custom order and have the 60s neck profile because he likes the slimmer one. Yeah. Um, but obviously with the, the collector's choice, you don't do that. You get the the exact replicas as, as they are. And the, the Donner one just sat perfect with me. It's the only one where the custom bookers in it are perfect for the guitar. Yeah. Um, and Steve will tell you this himself. It's the only one he's left the custom bookers in. Now, bearing in mind these are 8,000, 9,000 pound guitars. He's got... Like lower end custom shot ones, the you know the the off the shelf custom shots. <laughs> lower end custom shot. That's a that's an oxymoron <laughs> if I've ever heard oh, one. Yeah, it's a, it, the off the shelf custom shots. You know the ones that come in at like four, yeah. three and a half, four grand. I know, I know. Yeah, but you know it's it's not a collector's choice. As yeah, well, yeah, as it's, yeah. It's um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a non custom custom, isn't it? Yeah. And he's 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 done. He's got loads of different sets of pickups. He's got Seth Lovers in one. He's got um, the, the, oh, the Bonham Joe Bonamassa yeah, yeah. set in another. He's got um, all sort of a set of Monty's paths in one. Just like it, it's a, it's a who's who of like massive name pickup brands and like boutique pickups and stuff. Um, that he's he swapped out the, the custom bookers in almost all because. And he had a, he's he's just bought a sixties um, Les Paul a, a, a sixty reissue Les Paul custom um, custom shop um, that he hadn't yet swapped swap the custom the the, the humbuckers out and he's like I'll show you this one because this is why I swapped the pickups out yeah and the bridge pickup is great the neck pickup just considering it's a four thousand pound instrument or a three and a half thousand pound instrument yeah it's. It loses the clarity that yeah, it's soupy, a good neck pickup has. Soupy. Yeah, and like they're they're just not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not fantastic pickups. Yeah, for that kind of money, you want you want the the clearest detail, don't you? Yeah, and and for whatever reason, the the, the pickups that they put in Donna are wound and wound perfectly, and they do have that clarity. But yeah. Most of the other ones, the custom bookers just don't quite have that clarity with a neck pickup, which is why he he's, he chops and changes them a lot. So um, I I played a lot on Donna just because it's old it's flame. Just, it's it's my one true guitar love. Like if I, if if I came into thirty thousand pounds next week, I would put a deposit down on a house with twenty thousand pounds of it. And the other ten thousand, I'd go and find a Donna, because it's it's literally the perfect guitar for me, and yeah. it it just sits perfectly. Um, but yeah, so I, like I, I spent a fair bit of time playing that. Um, the other standouts from uh, the the newer stuff that I played, um, he had a sixty one custom shop Les as SG SG yeah yeah yeah, and that again. Absolutely fantastic. Um now me and Steve have uh, we've both been chatting about this, haven't we? Um and we're we're in cahoots here. <laughs> like I I saw the, the photos and I saw uh, saw a little video that you posted up. Uh and I said, That guitar really suits you. Steve Steve tended to agree as well. He he seems to think that you're an SG man. Yeah, well, we, we we had this discussion because Steve's not an SG man. Like he's he he picked it up because he wanted to give SGs another go. Yeah. Um, but because he's a bit shorter than I am, um, it just 
sits a little wrong on him. It, yeah. The headstock's just a little bit too far away. It doesn't sit in the same way that a Les Paul kind of rocks down a bit further onto your right hip. Yeah. Because it sits kind of straight in front of you. He finds that the yeah, it's too much the, the, the end of the fret is a, a bit too much of a stretch. So he's, he says, although he'll keep the guitar, it'll be one that he sits on. Sits, like it, when he sits down, it rocks over over that right thigh, and you know sits in the right position. Yeah. As soon as he stands up, it just moves that little bit too far away. So he said it's it'll be a home guitar for for Noodle, and he'll he'll probably hang on to it, but um, it probably won't won't see the light of the gigging world because he's he's in a couple of bands. He's in a a seventies um, rock band who um, he was telling me they their their motto is we play the stuff that other bands can't be bothered to learn. Yeah. Um, so like they've got some really complicated Jethro Tull stuff and just like uh, he, ELO Mr. Brightside uh, yeah, Mr. Mr. Brightside Mr. Mr. Blue Sky <laughs> uh, Mr. Blue Sky and like yeah. like loads of like really complicated, yeah, complicated. stuff yeah yeah there's, there's, um, the stuff that either other bands just just give up on because it's too hard or they do such a diluted version that it's not even worth them trying yeah yeah, so that's what the, that goes for. And then the other band that he's in at the moment is an El- Elton John tribute act um, that he's going to go and tour the UK with. Um, and so, so, th- so that's where he's gigging at the moment. And he's he's also got another band that's just like a blues rock, yeah, um, four piece that does the odd pub gigs here and there. But yeah, that's, so the S- the SG that I was trying um, fell in love with it, it, but way out of my price bracket. Like it's a custom shop, sixty one yeah. SG. Um, Fantastic guitar. Don't get me wrong. Well, the, um, they're doing the doing the sixty one um, standards now, aren't they? They're coming in at about twelve hundred. So yeah. So there you and go. I, I I foresee one of those in the <laughs> not too distant future. Yeah. All going well. What I think might have to happen, Matt, is we might have to go in the in the shop together and ask if they'll do a deal on two. <laughs> I think that sounds like a plan. Doesn't it? <laughs> I'm gonna get in so much yeah. trouble doing that. <laughs> they just, yeah. Um, like I say, I, I, that that I fell in love with. Um, the other stuff, exotic. Um, now, the last time I, pl- I was down at Steve's, he had one exotic, um, which was a maple neck. Yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, ma- and a maple board, and it, it was roasted, and it was their custom oil, like. It's not true oil. It's it's exotic's own brand of oil that that finishes the wood, and it it's an exotic oil. Yeah, um, and it it, oh, it yeah. finishes it finishes the wood incredibly well. It doesn't feel like a sticky maple board. Yeah, um, but Steve's now picked up a couple with rosewood boards. Okay, yeah. Um, so Strats still um, two HSS and an SSS. All with rosewood boards. Um, one had skinny frets and two with the fatter frets. And I found, I don't know why, but I found that I got on better with the fatter frets than the skinny frets. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I like, I like fat frets. I don't know why, but yeah, I, I, I found the, the fatter frets with the HSS for me was the, was the one for me. Um, it's a gorgeous, just... Uh, I'm pretty sure it's the like a, a pur- purplish colour. Um, yeah. Well, it is purple, but it's like it's like almost 
violet-y, you know, kind of on the lighter end of the pur- purple. But it's, it's a gorgeous finished guitar, and it had the it has a roasted maple neck, but with a, a, a rosewood board on it, um, which I always find I play better. I just don't, not a massive fan of the maple. And it sounds wrong when I've got a Cabernet that's my main, like main <laughs> guitar. But yeah, I know it's you the mean. only one that I get that that I get on with. Like most of the time, I'm a rosewood board man or an ebony board man. You yeah. know that kind of darker wood, the the wood that you don't finish. Yeah, um, yeah I think like in terms of preference, I'm I'm very much the same. I'll I'll, I'll take a rosewood if if I have the choice. But it's not a case where if if a guitar comes up and it's got a maple board and I'm loving it, it's not a case where I go, oh well, I can't have that. Just yeah. some some guitars yeah, yeah. resonate with you, don't they? Yeah, and that's it. But like I say, the the exotics, and I played a couple of sirs again because Steve's got a couple of sirs. He's got um, custom shop and even master built um, fenders as well. Um, all of which yeah. I tried again this weekend, and just out of all of them, I would pick an exotic. So if you if I walked into a shop and played a or had the option between. A sewer, um a custom shop, or an exotic strat. I'd go for the exotic. Um, yeah, the just the way the guitar is made and the, the 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 feel of those guitars just pips the um, the 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 sirs or the custom shops for me. Um, the if I had to take a, a Fender of his, he's got a an Eric, uh, Eric Clapton. With the okay, with the, um, with the TBX, uh, with the yeah. mid boost kind of thing. Sorry, yeah, um, and that that was fantastic. Um, he got a couple of other custom shops that have got like Gabby Ibarro um, pickups, and he had one a, a set of Ancho Blancos in one. Um, I don't know whether you've Bless heard you. of those. <laughs> uh, another pickup, and they those pickups were fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. For me, it was it was the the exotics that stood out um, as the strat style that they had. Um, I went through um, a few of his tellies as well. So he's got oh, I think I played two tellies. Um, so he's got a Teos turquoise um, double bound uh, telly with the Billy Gibbons in it, um, and that was tuned to F, which I've never done before. Yeah. Um, because in the Elton John tribute act, a lot of the songs are in B flat. Uh, okay, so which, rather than yeah, rolling a capo, yeah, yeah it's, it's um, no A, yeah, the A position. Yeah, he's tuned the guitar to um, to F, and although it's got tens on it, it obviously it ups the tension a little bit, but it was it was still. Yeah, very playable, playable. Yeah. Um, and that's the one that he's got the Billy Gibbons pickups, which I keep banging on about every time we talk about Steve. The twenty eight k output um, yes, telly set, ridiculous for a, for a telly set. I mean, the uh, the Fletcher Big Bang, I think, is somewhere in the thirteens, and I'm like playing that. I think this is ridiculous for a telly, but twenty eight k is it's, shit, me. It is, but like it means that you like. Steve can rock up to a gig and people say, oh my God, you can't play a telly in a rock gig and then it'll blow yeah. people's heads off because it sounds like a bleed less. It's all, <laughs> yeah. So it's almost like, 
obviously a different style of sound, but it's almost kind of that Les Paul in your in your face kind of like raucous, but from a single coil. Um, and he he said like in the past he's done that where blues bands have asked him to come in. He, he had he was depping for a band and they said make sure you don't bring a PRS. We don't have those kind of people play for us. And he was <laughs> now Steve's got rid of all but one of us. I think he's still got his SE. Which is like a five hundred quid guitar. Okay, he's yeah. kept that one, but he's got rid of all of his high end PRSs because he just doesn't get on with them. Yeah, but he was like, right, these guys clearly want somebody to bring a Gibson, so I'm going to bring yeah. a Fender Telecaster. And they apparently they turned up, turned their nose up at him when he was setting up, and he had the Friedman and this Teos Tele, and when he plugged it in, they was just they, they changed their tunes straight away. <laughs> yeah, but I, th- I think it's so. Uh... So arrogant of a band to go, oh yeah, yeah, don't don't bring this or don't bring that. Like fuck yeah. you, I'll, I'll play whatever I want as long as I sound. It, you're asking, yeah. you're asking me to depth for you. Yeah, yeah, as, yeah. As long as I sound fine, I'll play what the fuck I want. Thank you. Mm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that 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 telly is also awesome. Um, I played that one a, a couple of times. What I hadn't played or. I had played, but with different pickups in it. He's got a rosewood neck telly, and I can't remember what he said. I think it's a mahogany body, which is odd for a telecaster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and a, a solid rosewood neck, and he had whatever pickups in it last time. I think he said they were custom shop pickups. I can't remember. He's got a new set of pickups in them, and in it, and he wasn't sure about it. Um, and I just asked about the guitar just offhand. I was like, oh, have you still got the Rosewood Neck Telly? He's like, yeah, I'll go upstairs and get it for you. I've got some new pickups in it, but I wasn't kind of getting on with it. Um, and I I then played the guitar. I I really like the sound of it. They're not quite vintage telly. They're a little bit hotter than a vintage telly, but they're a lot a lot colder than a 28K output Billy, <laughs> yeah, Billy yeah. Gibbons set. You know? Yeah, it's not, they're prob- not quite a Billy Gibbons Probably set. like... Eight or nine, as opposed to your seven that you normally get from a from a vintage kind of Telecaster. Um, okay. Yeah. I I would guess I don't know. I'm just picking numbers out of the sky. To be perfectly honest with you. Yeah, I mean, eight k for a single coil is usually on the kind of modern modern side. It's usually quite hot. You can get them as low as like five or six k for uh, single coils. Probably on the upper end of the vintage. Yeah lower end of the modern anyway like that kind of output um really classic sounding just with a little bit more um and as i was playing it steve was like you're getting tones out of that that i can't get out of it just because like we play different styles yeah and, absolutely um and he's like he, he's gonna have another fiddle around with that guitar because he, he said that sort of yeah i was i was getting all sorts of sounds that he he kind of had missed and then um the last cut sort of guitars I'll talk about, um, I'd never played. So, although they've been out the, the times that I've been down at Steve's, I've just never got around to playing them. Um, mm-hmm. Steve's got two Flying Vs, and I'd never played a Flying V until before last, and I now want a Flying V. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't say that I'm a, a trailblazer outright here, but. I mean, what were the last last two instruments that I got, Matt? <laughs> is, is that an SG? An and SG a and a Flying v. v, yes, yeah. Yeah. I dare say that um, I'm uh, a tr- setting the trend here. 
And and Steves are are just well, I, I say just they're, just they're stand- standard. Just standards. <laughs> for for Steve, they they're they're low end instruments. That's they're, it, yeah. Yeah, they're USA normal spec. One of them he said was a nineties one that he picked up for seven hundred and fifty quid new when that's what the price was. And another one was early two thousands and I think he said that was eleven or twelve hundred quid. You know, yeah. they they were the the standard flying V's off the, the thing. One of them had a really hot set of pickups that Steve's gonna take out and replace with a set of Fletcher pickups after discussing with me and you. Wait, um, we got to him. We we did it. Yeah, and I believe the 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 pickups out of that flying V are going to Chris Wilson okay. of podcast fame. Um, I can't remember. I think they're they're a hot Seymour Duncan set. Okay, um, but they were they were very hot for Steve. Like yeah. he's more of a path and uh, that kind of stuff. But yeah, the don't get me wrong. They were they were great pickups, but they they just didn't they don't fit in with the rest of what Steve yeah, has. So yeah. I was quite surprised. Um, but he said like he's been in sort of heavier style bands in the past where he, he needed a hot hot set so he put them in a flying V. Because yeah. you know you put them in a flying V. And the other one he had a, a more a more vintage sound and paths. I don't even know whether they, they might have been the stock Gibson pickups, I don't know, but um sounded great just I I I spent about forty five minutes playing flying V's just because it they're just so they're, they're, it's different from a Les Paul. It's different from an FG. It's just it is, yeah, yeah. It inspires you to play differently, doesn't it? I can't tell you what it is, but yeah, absolutely loved it. Yeah, um, they they were they're a bit of a strange monster. Um, like the the first week I had uh, my flying V, I I was fighting with it to try and find a comfortable way of playing it while sitting down. And then. Then we kind of got along, and then I, I stood up with it with it strapped on and just went. Actually, this makes this makes a lot more sense. <laughs> yeah. Now I did all the playing that I did pretty much standing up. Yeah. Um, just because I I'm a bit more rotund than when I used to practice sitting there. <laughs> <laughs> so the guitar is in a different position now when I practice sitting down. So I don't do it. Um, I just. Yeah. All of my guitar, even when I'm learning stuff, I I play standing up now. I I just I can't get on with sitting down playing a guitar anymore. I'm I'm not the right shape. I'm I'm very much going that way as well. <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's unfortunate, but it's it's the way of life. Once you stop growing upwards, you start growing outwards, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, and then it's very hard to ungrow outwards. That's it. Yeah, you don't. You don't then start just growing upwards. I wish, wish I would. Yeah, I'm very short. <laughs> I suppose the next thing, like I know, we're getting away into the cast, but um, I mean, we we are. I mean, before, before we kind of go onto the the pedals and the amps and whatnot, um, I wanna wanna have a little little chat about your experience in terms of because. All of those guitars are, are pretty much like even the even the cheap the 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 the, the just standard flying V's. Uh, uh, what most uh, most of the guitar community would class as kind of the the upper ticket uh, price point. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. Yeah, the USA standard stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in terms of like what you notice about the um, the what you get for that money um, in terms of like like 
quality, finish, feel, sound. I, mean, I know that the, the sound is, is going to be difficult considering that half of them don't have the, the original pickups in them. Um, yeah, the like I say, the, the sound Gibson custom bookers. Yeah. I'm not a fan. Yeah. The bridge pickup is great. Neck pickup. Yeah, not so much. I don't get on with. Steve didn't get on with. Um, what I will say now, the first time I went down to Steve's, I played his 54 custom, which is a, 90, a gold top P90s Les Paul. Yeah. Um, and I played it on the bridge pickup. It was sounding great. And I flicked over to the neck pickup and we got about half a second of noise and then silence. Oh, dear. Um, and Steve had only just picked the guitar up. So he was like, well, I'll take it to me tech and see what happened. Uh, bearing in mind that this was a custom shop 54 with a 60s neck profile. So Steve had paid probably four grand because he'd asked for a different neck to be put on the guitar. Yeah, yeah. Um, they hadn't soldered the neck pickup into the into the switch. Oh, fuck me. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's come out of Gibson's custom shop and they hadn't soldered. So I'm not saying, like, yeah, yeah. and this isn't, this isn't a slam of Gibson now. This is Gibson three and a half years ago. Yeah. Um, when people are saying the, custom, the, the quality issues are there, and I'm not saying that it's every single model... But yeah. this had come out of a custom shop where it's been custom ordered. It's not a, a normal custom shop. It's a custom shop that's been custom ordered with a different neck. And th- it's managed to leave the factory and be sent to somebody without anybody checking whether the neck pickup had been soldered to the switch. Uh, you'd expect there'd be a, a a quality checkpoint where they check all of the... All of the switch positions, all of the the knobs, yeah, check like and give it the old wiggle test on the jack as well. And I'm pretty sure that's what um, the new guy at Gibson came out and said, didn't he? He was like, "We're reducing the amount of things, and we're having a quality section here, here, and here." Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure. So, I, like, I assume they've they've fixed this issue, but. I'm not, just because these are high-end guitars, it doesn't mean the quality is always there. Yeah. Now, obviously, the 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 thing I notice the most is the Les Pauls are really light, even though they're not weight relieved. Yeah. Because they've picked the perfect pieces of wood. Yeah. Um. And uh, that is something that blew me away compared to the USA standards that I've played. I've played USA Studios that haven't been weight relieved. Um, and then if you compare that to these custom shop and the collector's choice ones, they are handpicking the right piece of wood so that they're no more than, you know, seven or eight pounds, whatever the, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what the, the normal ones are, but they're, it's like I say, I would say it's a good three or four kilos lighter than a, a, a USA standard just because they've picked the right piece of wood and put... Yeah, I mean, there was something like one of these kind of faux inspirational quote things uh, that I saw on on Facebook today, which was like, uh, it says, "Oh, you're not you're not paying for my time; you're paying for my expertise," uh, and that really kind of rings true with with this process. It's the fact that if you if you break it down, the the one that you're paying four grand for and the one that you're paying a grand for are made of all the same component parts. Yeah. But you you're also paying for that one 
bloke or or woman in the in the custom shop who are going this is the right right choice of the wood i've made enough guitars to know that this this piece and this piece will make a better guitar yeah and yeah and that that's one thing i noticed and it's not just on the the les pauls on all of the guitars the the people who are making custom shops and sirs and exotics are picking those right pieces of wood yeah, they are the, like for either the grain to look right or for the body weight to be the right weight, not not too heavy, not like you 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 get even with USA strats the differences in weight. Whereas by the time you're looking at these exotics and sewers and the custom shops, they're all very similar weights. They're all very similar. They all hang very similarly because everything's kind of the same sort of weight. They um that's one thing that kind of. Um, stood out to me and the the finish on everything and even the Gibsons like I've, I've criticised the one now bear in mind there's one of like nine Gibsons yeah. I've criticised the one that had an issue the yeah. rest of them the finishes were absolutely flawless there's no like paint runs no like you know where like some of the guitars you see have got like lumps of paint on like where the fretboard meets the body and stuff and there's none of that and there's yeah. no like um, now Steve's had every guitar professionally set up, but you expect to get that with any guitar. You need you need to have a guitar set up. It's not going to fly from the United States to England without the temperature changing enough that the guitar needs another setup. Yeah, yeah, it's um, exactly that, isn't it? It's if if you're buying something of that that price, you need to expect that you you're going to put a little bit more cash to make sure that it's it's set to your specifications. Because even yeah. if the even if the setup hasn't changed from Gibson, it, it's set in the kind of generic way that it it'll play well enough. But yeah, the idiosyncrasies of every player. I mean, I know my my own specific play, and I'm very very fussy about how a guitar setup. I I'm, and you're not gonna like understand this, but I've got a very weird setup on my Cabernet. So the top two strings Yeah. Uh, sorry, the bottom two strings in the uh, E and the A. Yeah. I have about two mil further off the fretboard. Probably not two mil, but I, I have them further off the fretboard than the other four. Okay, yeah. Um and it's just always been the way I play that if I don't raise those strings, they buzz too much. Yeah, yeah. But if I raise all of the strings, it's yeah, it plays like too much hard work. <laughs> yeah. um, and I found that like just the right kind of thing is the, the top two strings are a little bit higher up. It just means that when I'm hitting pa- heavy, yeah, heavy yeah. power chords in some of the songs we're doing, don't get any string rattle, don't get any of that nonsense. Um, but I st- it still re- retains the the ability to do solo work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like like you say, everybody has their own setup, and that's one I've I've done myself because I've decided that's the way I want the guitar. Yeah, you want you want it as playable as possible, but you don't want it uh, so low that it's it's uh, compromising the the notes on the lower string. And because lower strings they vibrate, their uh, their vibration is a is a lot. It's got a longer pitch on it, so. Yeah. You will get like the further up you get, the 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 thinner the vibration is, thinner, yeah. it's kind of tighter. I think. Yeah. Um. So yeah. It, uh, yeah. In, in terms of like finish on and like like I say everything, 
no fret edges on anything at all. Like, obviously, I've got Mexican and then lower end guitars that you know you expect a little bit of fret. There's nothing on any of Steve's guitars. The the finish on them is perfect. The the playability is there. There's no like raised bits on frets or anything. Um, yeah. They whether they are three times as good as a USA standard. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think that's the point. I I used to I used to think like that if you're paying twice the price, it needs to be twice the guitar. And I don't think I don't think that's ever been the point of it. No. Um, like I say, it's 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 the the expertise that you're getting. So it's it's these choices of the 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 the, the finest quality pieces of wood. The, you get the first pick on the, those pieces of wood, whereas the other ones are to a lesser degree. And you they go down the pecking order to to where you'll be talking like the. Uh, like a, a faded tribute or something, like a Les Paul faded tribute, is gonna get yeah. the the least desirable piece of wood. Yeah, yeah, and that's it. And like, I'm not saying that like the the extra money isn't worth it, but um, it's whether you can live with the slight inconvenience of the Les Paul being kilo and a half heavier than a custom shop and the pickups not being the custom shop pickups, they're being standard US pickups and that's the kind of thing you're looking at and it, yeah. you know um, and I don't, I've not tried any of the current Gibsons but I tried the 2018 Gibson standard and it played very similar to a custom shop that was on the wall next to it that was yeah. 1500 quid more money but it was heavier, and the pickups were USA pickups as opposed to custom shop pickups. Yeah, and and that that's the kind of things. But in terms of that one was a good one. Um, there were no finish issues with that one. There was no. Yeah. But, um, that's the way Pete does them. So like, if if they have any issues with guitars, they don't put them on the shelves. They send them back to Gibson. Yeah. They're they're not worried about it. Whereas some some places may try and sort of sell on the the lower ones, but. Um, and to be fair, um, I spoke to Steve. He was there when the 2019s came in. He he was at Peach when they'd been shipped into the, the shop. Yeah. And he said they took 40 out of the box and all 40 went on the shelves because there wasn't a single issue with any one of them. That's a, that's a testament, that is, isn't it, though? Yeah. So that's just showing you that um, people are saying that Gibson quality issues were there in the past. Well, it looks like... For the for the time being, they've they've whatever this new fellow, this new CEO has come in and done, is working. Yeah, JC, isn't it? Yeah, can't remember his actual name, but I remember his JC. Um, I can't remember either. So, if you if you could have one, uh, one guitar from that collection that you uh, that had to kind of take the place of your Cabernet, it had to be your everyday. Um, your go-to guitar, what do you think that guitar would be? As much as I love Donna, yeah. I'd have to say an exotic HSS because it's more versatile. Um, if, you, if 
I had to sell all of my gear and only buy one guitar. Yeah. Um, I would go for an exotic with a HSS configuration with the the, the fatter frets and with a rosewood board, um, and those guitars just the I don't know what exotics pickups are. Steve hasn't changed them out, so whether they're in house ones or whether they're you know bought in from somewhere, I'm not sure. Yeah. But whatever they are, they are incredible, smooth sound. Like the 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 neck pickup is it. That classic strat neck pickup sound straight away, no tweaking, no touch of the tone control, no nothing, just straight away it was there. And then you know, you could use the tone control if you so wish, but you don't need to. You'll find out that they're uh, they're Tex Mex pickups, though. They're definitely not Tex Mex pickups. <laughs> I, I love them, I think this they, they are so so archetypal strat. I need to get you on my uh, on my Squire strat, mate. You need to you need to see how like just how awesome that thing sounds. Um, right, we're we're coming up to the hour, but I'll, we've still got shed loads to talk about in terms of like um, the amps and the pedals that you you went through because you you played uh, some some interesting some interesting amps as well, didn't you? You had to play about with some rather high end amps as well. Yeah. So. Um there's only three to talk about, so a lot less than the thing. So I'll start with the Magnetone, which is a brand that I've not heard of outside of Steve having one. Yeah. Um, and it's not an, a, a brand I know well. Um, it's an amp that doesn't particularly do clean. Um, yeah. It do, like its cleaner sounds is edge of breakup. Um, and the way Steve described it is it's modelled after a brown face fender. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, I like so to do that the these early... days, are you? Brown face. <laughs> I mean, at least it's not blackface. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. Oh. yeah, so it, it's modelled after a brown face fender, but without the cleans, so it breaks up yeah, very early. Really early break. Um, yeah. It's a 210 stereo amp. Okay. So it's got a, a tremolo, a bit like the um, the rockers, the orange rockers. Yeah, like exactly that. like that. Yeah, and it's got a two. Uh, sorry, so it's got a, a tremolo. Yeah, and the guitar has a um, not volume pedal. What's the what's the not not a wire and a volume? What's the other one? Huh? With the, the treadle. Yeah. With a treadle, but it's not when a what? No, but when you control like the speed of tremolo or uh, like an expression pedal, yeah, just got an expression in on the back for the control and the speed and depth of the tremolo. That's a that's so a very th- interesting uh, concept there. It is, but you can get some great weird sounds from it. And obviously, the the tremolo has got two settings where it'll do both speakers loud and quiet at the same time yeah. or, or pansy go between like yeah so you get kind of like a dip in the middle and then go then it goes to there and yeah then... yeah so it kind of sways between like a throbby yeah. kind of thing i said throbby yeah. on the last cast and lee lost his shit <laughs> i'm glad you're more mature matt i'm pretty sure you've just been talking about something else as well and then went straight into throbbing throbby you? yeah <laughs> but yeah um so yeah, the Magnetone had that. It's um, very different pe- um, 
pedals that you'd need for that for the other amps that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. But the the um, the magnetone, I can't even remember. There, there was a two sided uh, drive pedal that you had in, had on this board for that, and it was perfect. And I can't remember for the life of me which one it was. A two sided drive. Yeah, so it had a a crunch and a lead. Okay. And I can't remember. It, it was it's modelled after the King of Tone or whatever it's called. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a it's a very different flavoured one. Um, and I can't remember what it was for the life of me. Um, but that pedal matched really well with that amp. And um, that one he said it's the, it's the amp that he's going to use with a seventies band. It's a a 12 watt with 210 so it's not the loudest amp in the world but he magnetone make another 210 cab for it that's also stereo nice um so for bigger gigs he'll use that and it basically just going to act as a monitor because it's going to be um it's it's going to be either mic'd up or it it actually has a a proper di out of it okay nice so rather than just being a line out it's a proper di yeah um that he, that he can use um, he's got that for that band um, I didn't try anything other than the tremolo and a bit of chorus in that in that amp but because it's a, a very broken up amp um, it doesn't take anything in the front really that well it, it kind of needs things to go in the effects in the effects loop <laughs> the back end Matt. in the back end let's not show yeah, yeah, away you're going to plug it in yeah yeah it likes being um, slammed in the back end <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it needs stuff to go through the effects loop and okay, yeah. neither of us were in the mood for Faffy, setting yeah, yeah. up yeah, all that Faffy sort of stuff. Um, so yeah, um, the Magnetone very good but... Yeah, limited it, in terms of yeah, versatility. Um, it, yeah, exactly that. Um, and like if, you've got, if you're in a band where you don't need a sparkling clean sound then it would be fine but um, if you need a, a really clean sound you'd struggle to get it out of that yeah. at any sort of decent volume yeah it does one um, thing and it does it well yeah the other two things I tried were the two rock combo and a two rock head and cab <laughs> um, and the I want to say it's called a two rock something 35 studio 35 I'll, I'll go for that because I, I, I'm I'm gonna Google it. I, I I have purposefully not even looked at the two rock stuff because I know how expensive they are, and I know that John Mayer um, is is someone who prefers them. And knowing that, I can't afford them, and I never will. So it is a massive waste of my time, even even considering looking at them. Yeah, so uh, I got it almost right. It's the Two Rock Studio Signature 35 combo. That, that was clever. And this Two Rock Studio um, Signature head. Um, the combo only has one setting, which is Two Rock mode. And <laughs> the, the combo blew me away. I think it's a 110, not a 1. No, no, it is a 112. Yeah. Uh, it was the two. Yeah, it's the Magnetone that was two. The 112. Normal size for a 112 sort of chassis. It's not an oversized, yeah. um, like a lot of companies do. Um, and that, that that we used on the first day, and that sounded incredible. Um, it's just... I don't... Like, 
without like you you hearing it, it's impossible to tell you. But it, you think fenders are clean until you hear a two rock. Yeah. And the two rock has all of the frequencies that a fender is missing, and um, the the head version of the thirty five has um, a couple of modes in it. So the the head version of the thirty five has a fender. I can't remember their twin, I think. Fender twin mode, normal two rock mode, and then a Matt Somebody mode, who's apparently some session musician who plays two rocks and has one that's modded in, like, the head, like, you can flip between the three settings. Yeah. As Steve said, the easiest way to, like, show you, because obviously I'm, like, I know what a Fender clean sound is, but, like, trying to match that to a, a, um, a Fender, like, the, the two rock there and then. Yeah. Is almost impossible. He's like, well, the the head's got the thing, so we'll get the head out tomorrow. And I played through the head and cab, which was even better than the combo. But the combo itself <laughs> was just, yeah, like I've never heard a clean sound like it. And it when when the flick on the head between the the Fender mode and the two rock mode, you just you can just hear the difference in the Fender is all top end and sparkly and bright. And then the two up just fills out all of those frequencies that are missing, and just it is the best clean sound I have ever heard in my life. And I really want a two rock, and I can ne- I will never be able to afford a two rock. They're like three grand. So that's, that's not the uh, that's not the news that I was wanting to hear there, Matt. <laughs> I was wanting to hear nah, classic thirties will beat them. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it's like I say, like I. Uh, Steve's got one of the, the, the Fender Twin reissues um, that the custom shop did that were like three grand, and, and that's got a, a clean sound in it to die for. But the the, the two rock is on just a, a completely different level, um, and the, the, like I said, the head where it's got this switch between um, the, the Fender sound, the normal the normal two rock sound, and then like a. a a modded one that's for a bit hotter sound. Um, both of us agreed that the out of the three, the normal two rock mode was was where it was at. It's also got a pickup impedance or pickup loading switch on the back, which goes from one to five, and you can match impedance of pickups and stuff. And neither of us like <laughs> could quite tell what it did until yeah. we were able to switch it while somebody else was playing and you can just hear the different frequencies that it's cutting in and out. Yeah. And Steve had been using it on one because yeah. like when you're one just best, playing a chord and then clicking it and then playing another chord and then clicking it and then playing another chord. It's very difficult to hear. Whereas if you can just mess around with it while somebody else is playing yeah. you can hear exactly what it did and we both agreed that actually out of the five modes mode five was the best not mode one oh, so he, was, um, he was like four away from two ah. and, and like don't get me wrong it sounds great on one but just it it adds in those just little extra bits on, on five yeah. um, and just made it it just it, it transformed an already brilliant sound it just just like for me, tonal Nirvana, it was just absolutely the clean tones. Neck pickup on the exotic with that was was where it was at for a lot of the time. I was using that sometimes a bit of reverb, bit of um, chorus, a bit of delay every now and again. You know, just a little bit of phase every now and again. Just 
that clean tone was absolutely to die for. Um, if if you're a millionaire, I don't need to buy a two rock. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Um, I need to. Yeah, I need to uh, like, have a, a sudden windfall, don't I? <laughs> so exotic and two rock. Yeah, and I understand now why John Mayer uses the um, the the two rocks because immediately the first thing I played was <laughs> like the chords to slow dancing in a burning room because it's just that sound. It was it it just was. Yeah, it, it was it was there straight away. Um, yeah, if if you, I, I even if you'll never get to play one again, or you'll never get to be able to afford one, try a two rock, because I know it'll you, you'll always be slightly disappointed, but it just hear that tonal Nirvana because it's it's just bliss. I th- I, th- I think I, I am completely the other way where. Do you know they? How they say like, um, oh, I can't even remember like the the the, the same, but like it, the the gist of it is that uh, stupid people are, are, are like the happiest people because they're unaware of the just the, <laughs> the shit that's going on around them. I yeah. think I think in this this case, I'm happy being the stupid person. And just blissfully going through life, believing that my amp is the greatest amp, and that my setup, no matter how humble, yeah. is is the greatest one. Because I don't think I don't think I'd I'd like to be that clever and and know <laughs> that two rocks exist. Uh, like I I just I I just couldn't get over the. I've I've never played anything even close before. It, yeah, yeah. Um, that that's my recommendation. If if you're like me and you just want to hear it that once, and you know it'll be in your memory forever. Or clean to <laughs> rock tonal wank bank. <laughs> exactly that. Um, I think we found an episode title, haven't we? <laughs> we have. Pedals. <laughs> um, I'll go into a little bit, and I'm going to shock you now. Go on. Mojo, mojo. Nope. No, no, no. I'm going to shock you even more, because the pedal that impressed me most was the Drybell Unit 76. No, 67. Okay. Which is... No one likes a a Drybell, mate. No one likes a (laughs) Drybell. It's a compressor. You never thought I was going to come back and say I was impressed by a compressor, did you? But here we are. So, Steve's got two different setups with two different compressors. He's got one with a Cali 76. He's a Cali Maldonado, yeah. And, and one with the Unit 67. Yeah. Um, and the Cali 76 is great, but you need the manual to make it sound good with the 6 knob one. Yeah, it's, it's just got a lot it, of settings. It's, it's, it, it's just overwhelming. It, I I couldn't get it to sound good without Steve coming over and saying, right, on the manual, this is for this, this is for this. And then he's got a photo of when Chris Wilson came down and set it up for him because he said, yeah. Chris has got one of them ears and, you know, he's just annoying like that and can dial in the <laughs> right. And, and I can't. And Steve's the, Steve's the same as me, overwhelmed by it. 
the Unit 67 yeah. has different settings on it, but it's, it's, it's a very basic compressor, yeah. but done incredibly well. And it's the same as the Cali, so that when it's doing the compression, the colour of the LED fluctuates so you know that you're not clipping too hard and you know it, it it still has that functionality in there so you can dial in the compression at the right level it's yeah. got volume it's got attack and then it's got two band eq yeah and then there's an extra setting on a switch on the other side which is a push of the mid-range modeled after a range master nice so that you can flick that on and uh, fine tune whichever of the frequencies that you want for that for that mid push. Yeah. Um, if you want it to do that, um, or you can leave it switched off and just have it as a as, as a compressor. And it was a compressor that I could dial in. Like I didn't need anybody else. Yeah. I just watched the LED, played around a little bit, heard when it was clipping too much, wound it back a little bit, and. It just added that extra stuff that a compress a good compressor does without being a squashy and horrible. I mean, I, I, I never set mine squashy and horrible. I, I, I've I've used very cheap compressors to get that not squashy and horrible. You have to, but like like you said, you have to make sure that you are you're finding that sweet spot. You're dialing it in just enough that it's it's almost kind of feathering the uh, the signal. But not, not clamping yeah. it. And and this does it in a really easy for a, even a muppet like me can dial it in. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, it, it 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 was it it shocked me because Steve went right. I'll whack all of the settings up to twelve, so you've got to dial it in, or up to max. Yeah. So you've got to dial it in yourself. And I bet you you can do it because I said oh, I hate compressors. I can never go on with them. And he's like. That's what I was like with the Cali seventy six, but this unit unit sixty seven, even I, even I could do it. So I'm sure you can. And, and like like I say, it it took me a couple of minutes, but I got there fairly quickly. Yeah, and um, I was really impressed with it. And um, Steve's the same. He's he's got the board with his Cali seventy six, and that'll stay there. But for any boards that he's putting together now, he's just going to put a unit sixty seven on because they're they're so much more user friendly. Yeah. Um, the the origin is a very studio like yeah. tool. You need to know what you're doing with it. Yeah, I mean it's it's based on the eleven seventy six, isn't it? So you you have all of that um all of that manipulation over the over the uh, the compressor. It is it is literally a studio compressor. But yeah. in in that sense, if you don't know what the attack does, if you don't know what the ratio does then you're 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 twiddling knobs and with a compressor i mean with a drive you twiddle a knob and it makes a really noticeable difference it's oh that that's this tone frequency or oh this is this gain stage with a compressor it's very difficult to hear the the uh the differences in be- in between yeah and yeah because by the time you can hear it it's already doing too much yeah, but you don't know how much to pull it back. And like I say, with the the colour changing LED really helped me yeah. kind of work out that. And then you could dial in the EQ how you like it and the attack how you like it. The attack, without being too in your face, was easy to hear, 
what the attack was doing. It was like I say, it was it was just a really easy to use, really intuitive, yep. nice compressor that I got on with really well. And um, I'll only go through the standout pedals um, because I've spoken about a lot of them before. Um, Vemaram, a one that we we talked about when they did the, yeah, the Tube Screamer Hybrid. Yeah. That's not landed yet, but the Jan Ray was one I've played, and I wasn't a fan. Now Steve, Steve loves his. I'm not a fan. Chris isn't a fan. It, they're, a, they're a black black faced on ten sound is what the the, the Jan Ray is supposed to be. I thought they were kind of Timmy inspired. Um, the Jan Ray. I don't know if, what. From what Steve was saying yeah. is like the the tone that he gets out of it is basically that the classic sort of black fender blackface, but on ten every, everything on ten, yeah, and um, just hot and cooking. And I I I wasn't a big fan of the sound that he gets, and Steve understood that, and he's like, yeah, the the one they released most recently is called the ODS one, and it's a Shanks Vemoran Shanks, um, and. It was. It's a really expensive drive pedal. It's like three hundred and fifty quid or something like that because it's Vemarum. Yeah, they all are. Yeah. <laughs> but it was incredible. Um, yeah. The the amount of clarity it retained, even when it was getting into the higher gain territories. I've not heard a pedal like that before. Um, it doesn't get mushy. It doesn't. Yeah. Oversaturate. It just. It gives that more gain, more gain, but retains that clarity right the way up to the top of the gain threshold. Um, I've, I, he's got a load of other like really expensive drive pedals, and we went through a lot of them. And um, I'll talk about another one in a minute. But of them all, the that Vemaran ODS one, the the Shanks, um, as it's dubbed, was the drive pedal of choice yeah. into the front end of a two rock. Always bearing in mind that it's into the front end of a two rock, so yeah, getting getting it in front of my boxes could be totally different. So <laughs> it's not something that I'm willing to risk spending three hundred and fifty quid on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because boxes are uh, quite picky about their. Uh... They're very picky, um, and so the 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 drive section of the board that he had um, the ODS one on. He had a hot cake on there. Yeah. Because a hot cake in front of any drive pedal just sounds incredible anyway. Um, it's it's I don't know what it is about hot cakes, but if you put a hot cake as your first drive pedal and put it into any other drive pedal, it just sounds great. Um, but yeah, um, that was probably my favourite. There was one that's a Dumble clone, or that's supposed to be like a Dumble sounding pedal. Okay. And I can't can't remember for the life of me what it's called, but it's one of the high end ones again. I think it might have been a JHS, you know. Okay. Um, and I can't remember what it was called, but um, that into the front end of a two rock was obviously a two rock as a clean dumble, um, <laughs> or modelled on a clean dumble, yeah. and that into the front end just yeah it was an absolutely phenomenal sound. Um, he had a Ryra, which is yeah, a clone clones, and like the clone clone. Which was phenomenal. Um, it just even to clean sounds. We we had it on a clean set. Like I tried it on the drive settings, and I tried it on the clean settings, and I tried it on the treble boost. And yeah, we sort of just had it, just adding 
like a make gooder a pedal, a, a make better sound without like you you don't even know it's on until you turn it off and then you go where did the sound gone? Yeah. Um, I like that was where it sounded best, and then into the front end of a few different drive pedals, and you know that was incredible. Um, the pedal that I tried that is going to be a love or hate for anybody who ever tries it is the Origin Drive, um, the yes. two-sided. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's got two sides. One's modelled after the US. One's modelled after the UK. Um, each one has got six big knobs on each side, and then like four, four. No, it must be eight because I think it's four at the top and four at the bottom. Yeah, um, like tiny little tweaker things as well. And if you want to try and get a, a Marshall or a Fender, or you like, it'll do Voxy sounds as well because there's all these different settings for things. You want to try and get those sounds in a studio. That's the pedal for you, but. I would not take one to a gig if you paid me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I completely understand that. So. And Steve was the same. He said he took it to a gig once and regretted it straight away and took yeah. it off the board and replaced it with something else from the back of his car. <laughs> it's, it's it's good that he's got got that option. But yeah, I mean they are a a, a very very pricey um pricey drive pedal. But I've I've, I've been told that they are um. Once you've got them dialed in, they are the most amp-like sounding drive you, yep. you can get out there. Yeah, totally um, agree. But once but you issue, move the yeah. amp that you're playing into a different room, you need to redial it in again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, it's about that fine-tuning process. And like, I spent forty minutes getting it to sound how I wanted. And you don't have that when you're warming up at a gig? No, no. I mean, you're lucky if your entire band's got 40 minutes to set up. Yeah. Um, and, and that was it. So... Yeah. Yeah. It, Ultimate Studio Tool would never take it to a gig. And Steve's like, yeah, I, I took it to a gig once because he'd set it up at home and he'd done that and it sounded incredible. And he got to the gig and this was missing and that was missing and he and he was just... He, he, he took one look at it and went... Nah, nah. <laughs> this is too too much trouble. Yeah, it's too much. Tr- so yeah, really, really good pedal, just not designed. It's, yeah, yeah. It's a studio tool. Um, yeah, I mean, so yeah, it's, it, it's almost Origins uh, kind of mo that is, isn't it? That they are studio quality effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I suppose that's about sort of the, the highlight of all of the. All of the pedals. Um, the one uh, non-drive pedal I'll talk about, Echoplex Delay. Yes, yeah. Um, and Steve had a tap tempo um, button on it as well. Yeah. Um, so it's their, it's a normal, you know, MXR style sort of size yeah. pedal. Um, and the delay sounds you got out of that were fantastic. Um Steve's got Strymon flints and you know the L caps and and all that, and he said, he said, don't need them. I, I, yeah, this it's a three knob um, delay pedal. It's got um, stored settings in it so that it, um, each of the buttons are touch sensitive. So that if you tap them once, yeah. you get preset one. If you tap it twice, you get preset two. Trap another one, you get preset three, and then you can rather than like changing the the dials around 
Yeah. You can just find your sound, press and hold one of them. That's a preset, and that'll always be there. If you tap that knob, then you get that preset. Um, or you can turn the pedal on and use the tap tempo. Um, and the functionality is just brilliant. Um, yeah, because they are deceptively simple on, on, the, uh, on the face. Yeah, like I say, it's a three-knob delay pedal, but if you... Because of the way that the, the tap sensitive on the on the the knobs, each one of the knobs can do two or three different things as well. So there's there's loads of different things you parameters you can tweak, um, but they can be as simple as you like them to be, um, and they work really well. Sure, there's a, a an innuendo about knobs being tap sensitive, but <laughs> <laughs> I think I've, I've I've lost the will for for innuendo. Say, I think. Um, we've we've. This is a marathon of a cast. This is, and I think that's probably where we're gonna gonna end it for today because we've we're <laughs> almost <laughs> an hour and a half. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, happy happy ninety nine. Um, <laughs> before we get onto our um, our sign off, uh, we mentioned in the last cast we're gonna mention uh, for the duration of this competition that we are doing. Um, a little competition giveaway in fact it's it's uh, in in uh, conjunction with pedal boards of doom and origin effects um but it's worth a mention um so hop over to pedal boards of doom and you'll be able to find out how you can win yourself one of the uh the cali 76 uh compact so the three knob version the slightly easier to dial in version <laughs> um, yeah yeah, I mean, we mentioned it on last cast, and there's there's some stuff on uh, on pedal boards of doom and and whatnot. So yeah, just go check those out. Um, if you want to catch me online, it's facebook.com, instagram.com, youtube.com/slash budget pedal chap, um, which we are doing weekly uh, weekly stuff and things. Um, this week will be something very interesting. Um, so check that out. Uh, Matt, you are on pretty much everything. You're on Twitch. You're on uh, Instagram. You're on other things as here Twitter. Twitter as here yeah. underscore yeah. Matt Q. Yeah. Uh, um, the the band is Switch I O M. Um, yeah, that's about it. Um, gonna ruin your outro now, but um, it's June. It is. What do we need to do? As it's June, it's not no longer May. Oh, we. St- I haven't learned thingy yet. I haven't learned uh, the. You acid- shook me all night long. That's it. Yeah. Well, after this cast, I'm going to upload a video that I recorded about five minutes before we started re- uh, started the call, and um, which is my go at. You shook me all night long. Fair play. I mean, I've had a little go at it, but uh, I'm not quite there yet. Yeah, um, I- I've got the first like sixty percent down, and then I do my own shit. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the point in this uh, I know it's not um, but um, we've decided to drop it from the set so, oh, so, so the, <laughs> the amount of fucks that you give about it are diminishing yeah, by the day I, it, it, yeah well like I was I was at 60% when they said oh actually um, it's going to push the singer's vocals a bit hard so it'll either be one that we like have as a backup for yeah. um, like, like an encore, encore. yeah, yeah. Um, but it probably won't get played that often so yeah. um, that's where I, I kind of I tailed off because I've got other stuff to learn um, okay so we've got to come up with a with a song haven't we 
Um, and if you haven't got one, um, there's a fairly complicated solo that I'm in the middle of learning at the moment. Go on. And it's from a band that we've already featured. Go on. Um, Thin Lizzy Whiskey in the Jar. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll happily take that one because I, I know most of it, but... I know the first phrase and then from there you make make it up. No, I'm going to be like trying to go for it. Yeah. So, so I know most of that one, so that shouldn't. But it's the end bit, the bit that I do make up, which sounds vaguely similar. I'm going to get absolutely note for note because Eric Bell is an absolute blooming genius. Yeah, well, don't forget there's the solo as the intro as well as the Oh, solo. yeah, yeah, no, that one. The... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'll get that, I'll get that, it's fine. Yeah, we'll do that one. Whiskey in a jar. Um, the Thin Lizzy version, not the train wreck that is the Metallica version. <laughs> I mean, it's not a train wreck, but yeah, no, not the Metallica version. Or um, the Pogues. The, the, I mean, they, they've they've got the uh, the traditional Irish version, which is um, about eight minutes long. Um, there's also the Dropkick Murphys do a punk rock version. Okay, yeah, so we're talking Thin Lizzy. We're talking Thin Lizzy. Yeah, we're talking Thin Lizzy proper. And unfortunately for this one, it's, uh, it's early Thin Lizzy, so it's in standard tuning, so it's slightly easier to play. Yep. Um... <laughs> Yeah, so that'll be us for this week. Uh, thank you for making it this far. And like I say, if you haven't already, go into our Facebook group, make sure you're part of that. Go into the Pedalboards of Doom Facebook group, make sure you're part of that. Uh, and just go check out our stuff because it's, it's, it's pretty cool. And the more that you check out our stuff, the more that you support us, the more cool things that we can bring you. So, yeah. Um, from myself, Mr. Budget Pedal Chap. From Mr. Matt Coy. Say bye, Matt. Bye, Matt. It will be a good bye and tatty bye for this week. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra a bit. Oh, yes. Podcasting like a pro. I need a piss. I spoke for quite a long then, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. But it's okay, it's fine. It's alright. At least it was all about guitar-related stuff. <laughs>